Hello everyone and welcome to Canada Rinse Sound of Play 157. Wednesday and Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play 157 is James Carter. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. I guess for a little peer behind the curtain, we were having some Skype difficulties, and so we had to start the conversation over again. But you were remarking in the uh, the now lost intro, <laughs> not, even, not even for Patreon subscribers, truly lost and deleted <laughs> uh that uh it's been since sound of play 62 since you've 62, been on last yeah, is that so it's right it's been 95 episodes <laughs> since i was last on yeah yeah you, you couldn't keep me away forever though <laughs> you do remark 
uh, fairly often that you're not like the biggest like m- video game music uh, enthusiast on the team. Not that yeah. you dislike it, but it's just no. not something that really is like your natural propensity to talk about. But, you know, we uh, we don't mean to leave you out of all the fun. You know, it's uh, it's always great to have you on. So it's not not out of any hard feelings that we no, no, <laughs> we absolutely. It, it just takes me a little while longer to uh, to get to get some good selections, which I hope I've brought today. Yeah, you um, just to preface things, you have a very odd collection of, uh, of songs. I mean, they're they're good songs. It's just like not what I would have expected coming from you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, so one of them I knew right off the bat as soon as you asked if I was available. Um, I went straight to the to the again behind the scenes uh, the spreadsheet mm-hmm. uh, and checked that no one since E three had picked this particular song. Um, <laughs> I I've. We'll get there, but I've done my usual where it's a song that I'm not sure is going to be to everyone's taste, so popped it on the end so people can hop out <laughs> if they if they don't particularly take to it. But I think it's uh, fantastic. You know, I've stuck some really really weird, not to everyone's taste things at the end yeah, of the yeah. of the podcast. So there's nothing to apologize for. No, no I, <laughs> if they can get through the dancing Han Solo song, then they can get through just about anything. The, the only way I got. Uh, indestructible from Street Fighter 4 onto Sound of Play was agreeing to put it at the end. So no, it's it's a well-worn, tried-and-true method for sneaking yeah. in songs that really maybe aren't going to be to everyone's liking. That's right. Oh man, it makes me want to do a half-hour loop of that Let Me Take You For A Ride song from, <laughs> from- Marvel vs. Capcom too. <laughs> that's another one that's right up there in terms of it, a lot of fondness for a lot of people because obviously they associate <laughs> it very strongly with the game. But yeah, uh, <laughs> you you would just that could send someone over the edge. I think. Uh, I love the reference that I got in Marvel vs. Capcom three as well. Just kind of like subtly working those lyrics into the character select screen of that yeah. game as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you uh, kind of doubled down on that instead of realizing the embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, speaking of anachronistic songs that don't quite fit the game that they come from, we <laughs> led in today with. I would say one of the, at least for me, one of the most like recognizable video game songs, one of the ones that really kind of like puts me back in, uh, in the seat of playing the game originally. Mm. Um, this is the very strange life is beautiful from deadly premonition. This was composed by Ryo Kinugasa. James, have you played Deadly Premonition? Is this one of the ones that you've... Uh, I, I haven't. I've, I've missed out on okay. Deadly. I kind of feel like I, I missed the boat. By the time I was hearing about it, it was already, you know, a few years after release, which isn't necessarily to put me off. It's just we'd already got past the generational shift mm-hmm. and it felt like going back to that was just something that became more difficult to to get bring myself around to do. So I never did, unfortunately. I'll say, and this is something that I recommend whenever this game comes up, is that it is very difficult to play. Mm. And uh, I mean, there's just a lot of like poorly constructed gameplay moments in there. Um, There's just a lot of stuff that can go wrong. You know, if you're not paying attention to your uh, gas in the cars, then you can run out of gas in the middle of a place that you have to walk back from. And and, um, the shooting sequences are Mm. rather poorly constructed. (laughs) Uh, But there's a lot, that you can get out of it, um, yeah. but it requires doing kind of a certain sequence of things and knowing who to talk to on certain days and stuff. And so, you know, unless you're following a walkthrough very closely and unless you have a real taste for that style of gameplay, it can yeah. be difficult to get the maximum benefit from. And so 
Um, like I said, a, a recommendation I've made in the past is that there's a Let's Player named Super Great Friend who has done an excellent, excellent, very thorough, and just really cuts the fat away from the game. Mm. It gives you a really thorough look at the game, at pretty much everything that it has to offer, and makes it you know, funny without being obnoxious like a lot of Let's Players. And mm. uh, it, it's a really, really excellent way to experience everything that the game has to to offer. So yeah. I would recommend anyone who's interested in the game or anyone who's not interested yet, because I have a hard time imagining that it would not grab you once you've at least given it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that, yeah, a Super Great Friend has a great, thorough, full game Let's Play. Deadly Premonition always sounds like a game that I imagine other developers read reviews mm-hmm. of their own games that are really nitpicky over little like bugs or glitches or ways of doing things that seem slightly awkward and just tear their hair out seeing deadly premonition not get a pass but how much fans of of that game accepted some of the mm-hmm. weirder ways of doing things and the awkwardness of uh, of by reputation, obviously, from from my perspective, uh, the way that that game kind of plays and works. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things. It's, it's a cult classic for a reason, I guess. Yeah, it's a very deep game. It has wildly varying tones from scene to scene often, uh, going in between very dark, grisly murders to what this song represents, which is the, a very like quirky, upbeat, happy, non-threatening type yeah. of tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jaunty, I, w- I would say. It's, yeah. it's a really good word for it, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a strange one. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, um, a lot of people have pointed out how similar it sounds to the very famous Mario song, which I assume had to have been at least somewhat intentional, or at least uh, at least somewhat knowing, it at least. It can't have gone unnoticed, absolutely. Uh, you'd yeah. think <laughs> someone making that game would have re- realized that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the first time today we're going to mention songs that were kind of designed to sound like other songs. Well, it was the first time today, but not the last time. <laughs> not the last time today, yes. Apologies. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, anyways, that is Life is Beautiful. That is, uh, I don't know, it's just, I don't know if it's one of my absolute favorites as far as like musical intricacy or anything mm. like that, but I was just surprised it hadn't been featured before. So there it is. Deadly Premonition, Life is Beautiful. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so we're getting into one of your picks today. This mm. is uh, one with lyrics to continue the theme of using human voice as an instrument. Is whistling considered voice? I guess not. It's not really using the vocal cords, is it? It's just wind and lips. There's a sound coming from the mouth, so I guess it, it counts in the same pantheon, if nothing else. Yeah, Yeah. right. <laughs> it, it, used for communication, absolutely. So Yeah, sure. Using for harassing people on the streets. <laughs> Uh, sadly true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is, yeah, this is from uh, a game that has been only picking up more fans and followers as the years have gone on. Yeah. Yeah. Introduce this one to us. So Warframe is a game I haven't played much of, but it has been impossible for me just in the circles that I keep, uh, on online to not be intrigued by what this game is. Digital Extremes is the developer, and I know them back from Dark Sector, which was a 360 and PS3 game. 
that was due to come out of the start of the generation and then ended up kind of dragging its feet a bit. And Was that the one with the boomerang? The glaive, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It, it, so it was a third-person cover shooter. It, mm-hmm. it would be fair to point to Gears as probably an influence on the way it ended up playing, but the big thing was that you had this glaive and were in kind of a... It wasn't a mech suit, but it was a, a like a, uh, a suit of armor that was somewhere on the path towards an Iron Man armor suit. Um, but the glaive was the big thing. Um, so you could use that, uh, obviously, to stun and tag enemies and, and hit them from behind cover, in addition to having guns and that kind of thing. And and then they moved on to, to help out on other games multiplayer modes and I think they were involved in Bioshock 2's multiplayer mode off the top of my head Hmm. and then Warframe came out right at the start of this generation 2013 almost across the board it felt like everyone's response to that was yeah this is not feeling this at all Mm-hmm. And they've stuck at it. It's been five years nearly this game's been out. It's actually more than five years now since it was um, released in uh, beta on, on PC. And as you say, it keeps going from strength to strength. And it's not just it's cultivated an audience and that audience, as we mentioned previously, has stuck with the game through its its faults. There has been a complete change, complete turnaround in in everything about this game. Uh, they've added more to it. They've... Um, taken stuff away they've refined reworked completely reworked much of the the game and keep on adding more and more um free updates and content to it uh, it's very much now in the mold of games as service and it's not alone being, being a game that kind of found its feet after launch um through develop you know significant developer changes and updates um you know this week we're recording no man's sky next has been released um mm-hmm. fortnite obviously for the past year has been pretty much the biggest thing going uh and that's not the game that it was intended to be when released or at least the popular part of it is not the game it was intended to be when released and Warframe's right there. It is doing gangbusters, just kind of slightly aside from the mainstream uh, video game media coverage and that kind of thing. It does still get plenty of coverage. And the song that we're looking at today actually was uh, used in the trailer for an upcoming uh, update to the game. Um, they they have their own conference, Tenocon, where they, you know, fan event and announcements and et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's that big of a game now. And uh, I dipped my toe in a few months back, haven't kind of played as much as I might have liked to, but what I played just felt fun. Again, not the first time today I'm going to invoke Vanquish as a as a kind of touchstone for, oh, nice. a, a, you know, the way that that game feels to play. Movement's a big part of it, and in shooters that can kind of work for you or not. And and this definitely has that stuff going on. But in terms of the song in particular, there's a Fortuna update coming out, which adds, I think it's uh, open world Venus gameplay. Uh, so yes, it's a shooter set in space haven't actually explained that that's what the game is, where you have your own ship and kind of go around and you can do narrative kind of story-based missions or you can, and and you can co-op together and, you know, uh, PvP, all that kind of stuff, various game modes to be played. And they are adding in this Fortune update, as I say, uh, some extra stuff. This song in the trailer just struck me as that doesn't sound like a song that you would associate with a futuristic space shooter. It, feels 
more like uh it's got a shanty style vibe to it i guess it mm, feels yeah. very stripped back it's uh, so the the trailer pans through what looks like a mining colony it captures that really well and brings a kind of completely different feel to what you might expect from having seen artwork of of warframe where you are a space ninja you know cutting about with a katana and a gun um and it just felt very simultaneously strange but intriguing i guess just to have that feel to a trailer that is something that's uh very alien otherwise but to have something that feels quite earthy and um very kind of as i say like shanty or or uh, kind of a worker's song you know uh mm-hmm. type type feel to it like and, a chain gang type song yeah, yeah that's a really good way of putting it thank you for saving me from <laughs> from my fumbling efforts there um yeah i just thought it was a really cool piece of music and as you say it's got uh, vocals over the top uh the the composer is uh, keith power um, who has this song up on his SoundCloud. And I did have to check because obviously we don't like to put in licensed tracks on this. We prefer tracks that are specifically for the video game and tie directly to the video game. And this was composed, as far as I can tell, specifically for Warframe. I don't know if it's going to end up in the game or if it's just for the trailer, but um, yeah, again, not the last time I'll be saying that <laughs> this uh, this particular <laughs> episode. But um, yeah, I, I just really uh spoke to me and and i took to it really really strongly just uh yeah really intriguing um so i hope that comes across in the uh in the listening this is we all lift together by keith power from warframe
that is Warframe, PS4 and PC at launch. I believe Xbox One came later, and then Nintendo uh, yeah. Switch is uh, heading. Uh, it's bound for Nintendo Switch in the future. Yeah, in yeah, the near future. Announced, but not no date confirmed yet. And yeah, Xbox One was about a year after its PS3, uh, PS4 release. Okay. I think. Well, we are two for two in songs that are weirdly anachronistic to the game that they come from. <laughs> And we're moving into something that uh, is a request from the forum that I am so happy <laughs> that they've requested because <laughs> um, I've played a little bit of uh, this upcoming game, Lego City Undercover. Uh, and I know, James, you as well are a big fan of Telltale. No, not Telltales. It's uh, Traveler's yeah, Tales. <laughs> Tale of Tales, Telltale, or Traveler's games. Tales. Yeah. Which one is it? Um, it's <laughs> Traveler's Tales, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm yeah, a big Lego Traveler's fan. Lego's yeah. games. Yeah, I've I've played a fair few, more than more than my share, but I don't think quite as many as you have. I think I've I've missed out on a couple that you have suggested mm. are are worth uh, tucking into at some point. And and Lego City is is one of those that I haven't haven't tried either. So um, yeah, yeah, I I have this one on Wii U, mm. and I think just the inconvenience of plugging in the Wii U and sitting at the TV with my gamepad and on both screens like that kind of discourages me from playing it a little bit and like i know that the solution is just like buy the version on pc so i can do the regular kind of like play it in the background while i'm watching movies type thing that i usually do with lego games but maybe it's not cheap enough yet maybe it's just hard for me to justify not playing it on wii u since it was that's where it came since it to, took yeah. so long for it to like reduce in price over here until i could actually buy it oh yeah no the, the, this game was another one of those and i know nintendo games it happens to a lot but uh, mm -hmm. it just held value and eventually i think over here it was put out into the nintendo budget. Yeah, the nintendo select select I think it so is. Here we go. it's yeah. not a budget range but yeah it's like greatest hits range type thing um and right. and yeah it, it came out here on that so it suddenly became easier to get and kind of dropped the price uh, a chunk but yeah it wasn't f for years later until um right. they decided to to make it available to ev all and sundry and everyone, um, which is really nice. But yeah, I just never got around to it, unfortunately. Uh, one that I've heard so many good things about. but It plays quite a bit differently than the other ones. Mm. It feels a little bit heavier. And one of the things that I don't like about it is that there's a greater delay in between you destroying objects and them turning into the uh, the like little bits that you can pick up. Uh, mm -hmm. And so whenever you knock something over, you kind of have to like stand around for a couple of seconds, right. which really disrupts the pace of yeah. the gameplay. Um, I don't know if they've addressed this in the updated version, the, I don't know about a remaster, but the re-release on the current gen consoles. Mm. Uh, I guess Wii U is still current gen, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know. But it, the writing is is really good. The uh, acting is really funny. Uh, it's it's supposed to be a really great game once you really put the time in. I just haven't really done that yet. Um, otherwise, I'm mostly caught up with the Lego games. <laughs> we should uh, We should talk about the track itself. This comes from Reprobate Gamer from the forum who says... This is a truly epic piece of music for a truly epic final sequence from the game, Lego City Undercover. And who would have thought you would get something like this from a kid's game? The whole soundtrack riffs from a number of sources, Bluegrass to the Matrix, and composers Simon Withenshaw and Sudi Raval use the variety well to set the mood throughout the game. Yes, this is called Falling to Earth Space Skydive, which I can only imagine <laughs> uh, is represented in the game well but uh yeah it's surprisingly epic 
and involved for a Lego game, which are not low effort entries by any stretch of the imagination, but they are very simple games and they have like a feeling of disposability and of, you know, something you're supposed to be doing in the background while you're doing something else uh, a lot of the time. Uh, But yeah, this song really, I mean, this would fit into like a, like a dynasty warriors or Mm. like a just cause game. Even, you know, it it has some real (laughs) chops to it. It's really something. <laughs> I guess uh, let's cool off a little bit, moving into a more subdued piece of music. Not that this entire game soundtrack is subdued. It has some also blazing guitar, awesome battle tracks, but this particular piece of music is is a nice one. 
Uh, this comes from Seanus Thomas from the forum, who says, I can't say I'm enjoying the recent epic from Monolith Soft compared to the first Xenoblade Chronicles game. However, the score's been a highlight and kept me playing it. It's been varied, adapts to the time of day, and occasionally really surprised you. This track caught me completely off guard, and its beauty floored me after several hours of battle music and cutscenes. Uh, as he implied, this comes from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. This is called Indoline Praetorium yep. Day by Yasunori Mitsuda, Ace, Kenji Hiramatsu, and Manami Kiyota. And uh, I own Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I got it for free from work because um, I'm at Nintendo and sometimes we get first party games. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have not booted this one yet, so I'm afraid I have nothing more <laughs> to add to this. No, well, you're you're talking to someone who has led a sadly Xenoblade-free existence. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I, I don't either. But yeah, if we're talking about which game we would have expected to have the epic piece of music, uh, it wouldn't have been Lego City Undercover. It would have been <laughs> it would have been this one. I can only echo what Sean S. Thomas said about this uh, this piece of music. Just not what I expected from from this uh, from this game, even having you know not played it. This track reminds me of the more kind of quiet and subdued tracks from the Fable games. Mm. I don't know if there's anything musically that links them. It just kind of puts me in that mindset. But anyways, let's listen to In the Lime Praetorium Day from Xenoblade Chronicles 2.
Speaking of Nintendo Switch exclusive RPGs, very kind of limited <laughs> genre there. Um, but this is from one that I have also picked up recently, and I have just barely started. Most of my gaming time has, has uh, gone to Hollow Knight recently. I've put in a little bit of time with uh, Octopath Traveler. It's a classic RPG. I'm enjoying it so far. I like games that tell smaller collections of stories rather than downplaying the importance of like a grander narrative. Yeah, is, sure, is absolutely. Kind of Accepting that each character or even a single character can have yeah. multiple things going on at the same time. And absolutely. Right. Would you consider this kind of an anthology narrative where it's pulling together completely separate narratives or do they all kind of build uh, together? I'm too early in the game to really talk about it, but from what I've heard, I think about half of the game is just separate character stories Mm. that don't really interact with each other, and then the game kind of builds together, but I think there are so few people that have gotten to that point in the story so far that there's not really a strong um, consensus yet on whether it builds together in a satisfying way, at least from the public perception, you know, this is all based on... Uh, opinions of people that uh, we are not, so we can't necessarily comment <laughs> into that. Well, I guess before I even go into that, I noticed recently, not recently, I guess this is something that's always been the case. Whenever I'm hosting Sound of Play, a lot of the tracks tend to be like in the 2010s. And whenever Leon's hosting, it's like like the 80s and 90s. <laughs> and so, you know, that can be kind of written up to like, okay, I'm I'm younger. He's mm. quite a bit older. He's playing songs from his uh, youth, I'm playing songs, but that's not necessarily the case because, you know, I'm playing really, really new songs. Like if I was playing songs from my youth, it would be like late nineties, early two thousands. And so I'm wondering, I think we just have like different priorities in music. Not that I don't appreciate everything he brings to the mix and there's tons and tons of old music that I really get into. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the things that I really appreciate in music, and that's why I was bringing up this whole story is Mm. that I like songs with really crisp and clear instruments Mm. um, and songs that really kind of surround you with their instrumentation in a way that, you know, you got a little bit in the chiptune music because it was being rendered natively on the hardware. And so when you're playing chiptunes on modern emulation of, of that old hardware, then it can really sing and it can really like have a crisp and clear sound because it is just code that you're running. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of early recorded music and a lot of the MIDI music just tends to be a little bit muddier and a little bit less dynamic than what we're able to do now. And so that's one of the things that stuck out to me about Octopath Traveler is that the music is composed um, in a very traditional rpg kind of way yeah. but it just sounds really crisp and uh i i love hearing it coming out of my soundbar and computer speakers or wherever it is that i'm playing the game so i i wonder if the the difference that you were pointing out between uh kind of the tracks you tend to bring to the table versus leon tends to bring to the table is not so much about youth but about formative years where for leon obviously that is going to be in the 80s and 90s he was a teenager and in his 20s um and so the music that defined that period for him in terms of gaming Mm -hmm. is going to be chiptune stuff because the PlayStation wasn't around. Whereas for you, even though obviously your formative years were before the 2010s, okay, yeah. it would have been since the PlayStation was around and that obviously brought CD sound with it, which tended to mean you could have orchestrated scores. 
not that you couldn't do it with chip tunes, but as you said, you know there was a different way of handling it. Whereas mm-hmm. PlayStation onwards, it was very much CD quality music. Um, not that that's a better quality; it's just a different way of handling music altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just wonder if that, therefore, you associate that kind of gaming music is just what you tend to to kind of migrate towards a bit more uh, uh, and move early on is the chiptune stuff that, that resonates. That's a good point. Yeah, I guess if, if any of the listeners want to play armchair psychologist and <laughs> give us your thoughts as well, then we'd I'd be very curious to getting to the bottom of this. It, it's um, a weird one because yeah. I, I know absolutely nothing of what I speak because I honestly wouldn't be sure where I'd point to as my formative gaming years. Hmm. I'm old enough that the first games I played did have chiptune soundtracks, but a lot, if I'm pulling up a list of favorite games or indeed favorite soundtracks, it would be more recent stuff. So I, I don't know. I, I guess my argument there there possibly kind of falls down a little bit, but it just seemed like possibility. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's all just, you know, whatever whatever hits your ears in a pleasurable way. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So uh, this piece of music... Um, it's an interesting combination of a uh, a fiddle and a acoustic guitar, uh, very minimal in its instrumentation, but it's just very jaunty, and uh, it's a fun piece. It's in the village that Therian the Thief starts out on. Uh, Therian is who I started the game with, and so he is, for all intents and purposes, my main character. Mm. You know, that was kind of my first impression of the game's music, and it really stuck out to me, and so I'm sure that I'll be bringing more pieces of music from that game uh, in later sounds of play as I experience more of the game and hear more of the music. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to start us off with A Settlement in the Red Bluffs by Yasunori Nishiki.
So here we go. We talked about before that some of your choices are a bit surprising, and <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't have you pegged as a rap man. If I had to pick a genre, <laughs> rap wouldn't be the first off my tongue. But actually, uh, in terms of music that I like, that I the again talking about formative music, um, back in the early nineties, while I was listening to Queen and loving that, and on a little bit of a road towards heavier rock and metal music. Mm -hmm. Cypress Hill is one of my all-time favorite oh, groups. Okay. I and to this day Black Sunday stands as one of my top, you know, albums of all time that I've ever uh, enjoyed and still do. <laughs> this is just a a weird one. So I've picked before Street Fighter songs as mentioned uh, a, a licensed track from Street Fighter 4, but also I picked uh, a stage theme. Um and the difficulty with Street Fighter music often is that not only is there an original composer who maybe composed it back in the Street Fighter 2 or 3 days um and this is then a reinterpretation also these tracks are made to loop. Not that they necessarily need to loop for a long time really because each round only lasts you know, usually 99 seconds, even if you put it on infinite, you're not going to be playing for minutes on end. But they're they're made to loop because you shouldn't feel like you got halfway through the song, song and it stopped and then the next round it started again or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's made to be background music and that doesn't mean it doesn't give a, a, a sense of, uh, you know, a, a tone and, and uh, just a, a sense of setting to, to the stage and to the fight. But this one's a bit different in that this didn't have to worry about harking back to a character from uh, previous games because this this theme is a is a uh, for a, a new um character in Street Fighter 5 but also the composer Daniel Lindholm has done so he did Sakura's theme and also uh, recently Cody's theme so he's done reinterpretations of previous themes but he has also uh, made brand new themes for I believe Zeku and Minat, so a, a bunch of the season two and season three characters that have been added. And in each case where he's been asked to come up with something new, I really like his way of doing that. So for Zeku, for example, Zeku is the master of a previous character guy who's a Street Fighter character, but also um, a Final Fight character. And so Guy is of the late 80s, early 90s in terms of being a video game character. So therefore he thought, well, Zeku's going to be before that. He's going to be from the 70s. And he looked at Zeku's outfit and the way he looked and thought about Kung Fu films of the era and thought about music that's from the era that we don't necessarily hear today. And that's disco music. So he made this really hmm. cool disco track for Zeku. And when it comes to Ed, the, the reason that I just went through all that, he looked at Ed, and Ed is this brash teenager who has been in the narrative of Street Fighter. Uh, get laugh it up, everyone. Um, uh, Ed is one of Bison's potential bodies to transfer his consciousness into. That's a whole thing that Bison does. Ed looks like Eminem. There's no two ways about it. He's blonde. <laughs> he's young. He's brash. He's you know got an attitude to him. Um, Balrog and he kind of leave Bison's um, organization, Shadowloo, and, and go off. And so Ed fights a bit like Balrog, who I uh, should say <laughs> Balrog, uh, boxer for the kind of uh, neutral naming, who's an American guy, who's a, a, a black guy. And 
is based on Mike Tyson, and that comes with it a lot of the kind of attitudes and the kind of the need to drag yourself up from the streets that goes with a lot of rap music. And so what Daniel Lindholm did with Ed's theme is look at this character and say, all right, I am going to write a song that sounds as close as I can get to Lose Yourself by Eminem, which obviously that Mm -hmm. comes from 8 Mile, and it's all about this notion of being this kid dragging yourself up by doing the only thing you know how. In Ed's case, that's fighting. In Eminem's case, that's rapping. And he did that so well that Capcom said, that is amazing. That is so close to Lose Yourself that we will get sued. So he went back and had to actually change it and um, change the bass line was how he changed the the tune. Mm. And he brought in the bass line um, from a, a Tupac Shakur track, <laughs> completely kind of tweaked it enough so that it still feels like it's Lose Yourself. It has that that feeling of getting ready for a fight. That's what Lose Yourself felt like. And I didn't know it until I heard this. It makes sense because it's a, a, that's from a film about rap battles and and, you know, that notion of going toe to toe with someone, not necessarily with fists, but with words. Um, and uh, Caleb Coombs or Combs, I'm not sure uh, pronunciation of the surname there, put lyrics over the top um, that again sound like "Lose Yourself." Again, close enough. Um, and I, I just really liked that notion of trying to feel out who a character was and tie it to something that's thematically fitting but also visually fitting. I know music shouldn't be visually fitting, but the character looks the part. So, you know, Mm -hmm. lean into that. Um, And that's just, there's a couple of articles on uh, event hubs uh, who cover a lot of fighting game development and um, esports scene and that kind of stuff uh, about Daniel Lindholm and how he's gone about making these pieces of music for characters that he doesn't necessarily have a starting place. It's just really cool to to be able to read that sort of stuff, not necessarily just from an interview, but holistically over several pieces of music that are developed over now more than one year to see how a, a creator goes about doing something like that. I just really uh, loved this, not necessarily for the song itself, but for everything, or not just for the song itself, but for everything that goes behind it as well. Because Street Fighter music, as I say, has to be able to be looped and this does something different than that, and I think that's really cool. All right, this is Ed's theme preview by Daniel Linholm and Caleb Combs from Street Fighter V. Near, even though I'm standing tall in the face of all this fear, clear, busy 
serving life like a sentence Gotta stay strong, that's the reason I'm so vicious A barking dog, take it all, never fall You ringing for the champ and I'm the one who get the call So let me tell you a little something about this life You can commit to the game and you can commit to fight But the thing is that with every passing of the night Nobody actually makes it out of this world alive So what you gotta do is put your powers to the test Time is passing so you better spend your time the best So who you gonna be when the reaper come knocking? Actions speak louder than words so stop talking Yeah, so watch me break out of this cage I fight now, I won't change Yeah, and it's the passing of the days So get back and just get up out my way Yeah, so watch me break out of this cage I fight now, I won't change Why is it that it's called Preview? Is that like the name of the song or is it just like a shortened version of it? It's a shortened version because, yeah, the, the long versions are all like 14 to oh, wow. 20 minutes long. They're really long pieces, but they are just looped over and over again. So that's just how they end up being, which obviously doesn't fit in um, mm -hmm. a, a podcast like this. But also it, they're not very satisfying pieces of music. So um, I had looked, I had hoped to put Cody's theme in here, but even in a three to four minute segment, that's not to me as a very satisfying piece of music. I almost wanted something mm -hmm. more trimmed down. And the fact that this has more lyrical content than a, a typical Street Fighter song would kind of naturally compresses it a little. Although it does end rather abruptly because where you cut it to make it sound like it's finished, obviously, <laughs> can be difficult to yeah. do. Let's move on now to another request from the forum. This comes from Sergeant Silent. Almost living up to his name here, not a very long description, saying, <laughs> don't really have much to say about this bouncy, jovial tune. Fair enough. This comes from a, uh, a game that I had not heard of before called The Adventures of Cookie and Cream, uh, where after watching and reading a little bit about it, you play as these two characters. I think it's a, like a cat and a rabbit or something like that, just kind of cutesy cartoon characters. As they are both racing up separate sides of the screen, it can be either a one-player game where you're controlling both of them with the two sides of your gamepad on PS2. Although I guess this also came to Nintendo DS and PS3. I don't know how it works on DS, but mm. I guess they found a way. <laughs> but you either control it both on the same pad, like Brothers of Tale of Two Sons, or those uh, challenge rooms in Nino Kuni, or two players can each control one of the characters and um, yeah, just kind of go along these cooperative paths up the screen. Oddly enough, this is created by From Software, so <laughs> not what I would have expected from them, but uh, cool. <laughs> I'm into that. It's a strange piece of music because it sounds distorted, grungy, and aggressive in a way that I don't think the game is supposed posts to. <laughs> I don't know if this is just like a maybe a Japanese sound that I'm just not used to uh, having grown up with Western music or whether it's, I don't know, supposed to have a little layer of dissonance in there built in. But I don't know. The song strikes me as very strange for the source material. James, are you at all familiar with this game or do you have any opinions about the music? Literally all I can say is that on the spreadsheet, I saw The Adventures of Cookie and Cream and thought, I recognize that title, but I've never played it. 
I wouldn't know what it looked like or what it was or anything about it. I just know I recognize the title. And then seeing it in the notes here, and it says From Software, that's obviously where I've come across the name before. But mm. um, From have a much longer history in gaming uh, and much more varied history in gaming than the last kind of 10 years would suggest to a lot of people, where obviously mm. they are overwhelmingly now associated with Demon Souls and every game of that type that came uh, thereafter. Um, much to the chagrin of, of a lot of people who are fans of their previous games, literally would not have known what to make of this game. The, the title makes it sound fun and, you know, cartoony and kid-friendly or or something like that. But yeah, the the description of bouncy, jovial tune, I think does maybe skip over. Yeah, the dissonance is a great word for it. There's something else going on in in this this tune which just intrigues me even more i'm not sure how how uh, easy it is to to get a hold of and right. play at all but um but yeah it, there you go it's it's great to hear music from games that i guess most people listening to this won't have had the chance to play this is menu theme by kota hoshino from the adventures of cookie and cream
I am bringing, uh, just as I have done before, another track from Lawbreakers, which is, you know, from the dearly departed uh, Bosky Studios. They just closed down. And, um, you know, we've got some, we have at least one big Lawbreakers fan on the team in in, uh, Sean O'Brien. But yeah, overall, it's just kind of remembered as being a... It's kind of a story of failure within the gaming industry of getting on to a, a trend too late after that space had already been kind of overtaken by something else. Yeah. Um, but the people who defend it, defend it uh, adamantly and say that there really is something special there, even if it's not entirely necessary for the gaming industry. There's a lot of new ideas. There's a lot of really good game design and music. And uh, that, yeah, that's something that I've, Found as well. I've never played the game, but I have listened to the soundtrack mm. and have uh, come away quite satisfied by that. It has a range of well-known composers working on it. Uh, we played a Mick Gordon track before that sounded quite a bit like his Doom 2016 soundtrack. And what we are coming with today is a piece by Jack Wall, another well-known composer. This is called Bombshell. One of the themes of uh, one of the characters. Yeah, it's another epic track. I think this would fit in very well with the Lego game. <laughs> it's just one that keeps on building and just keeps on getting grander and grander. And uh, I don't know, it has a really energizing emotional arc. I like it. <laughs> I would go so far as to say not just that it, this game has its fans, but I can't think I've heard of anyone who's played it who doesn't like it. The problem is I just don't know that many people who've played it. And obviously that was the that was the issue. And I had guilty. You know, mm-hmm. I, I saw the trailer and thought, oh, okay, yeah, you know, fast, high mobility shooter, not my sort of game, but I figured I'd find an audience. And I guess Overwatch just ate its lunch. It's such a shame. Um, because yeah, the the people I know who've played it speak so highly of Lawbreakers. Um, Sean and as well as uh, you know, uh Andy Hamilton who's been on on Kane Rinsan Sound of Play before. Mm-hmm. I think the only criticism that I've really heard against mm. it is that it's kind of unremarkable if you're into yeah. that genre of games. And so maybe the people who have played it and wouldn't have liked it just might not have said anything about it because Maybe they don't really have anything to say about it. Maybe it didn't the wrong way enough, yeah, to, to, yeah, to right. say anything negative. Yeah, but even then, I, that style of really fast multiplayer shooter, I think unremarkable but solid was enough to garner some attention <laughs> just because there aren't that many of them around. You know, even uh, Doom, for all it brought back that kind of fast-paced first-person shooter, as far as, I don't know anyone who put any time into the multiplayer of that. It was all just Mm -hmm. campaign, done, fine. And there aren't Unreal Unreal Tournament. Yeah, yeah, right. And there's a Quake Champions now, but that Mm -hmm. seems to have gone the direction of of kind of hero shooter from what I've seen. It's not something that dragged me Mm -hmm. back in, but my memories are of Unreal Tournament. And uh, uh, so seeing something that evoked that and got that kind of response from people I know who are fans of of those games, I'd have thought there was more of an audience for that than there seems to have been, which is a a shame. Uh, And then, of course, Bosky pivoted towards Battle Royale-style game and, again, just little bit too late although they, the speed with which they got something out the door was impressive I think they said within three months of starting to work on uh, a second game they'd they'd got a early access version out and playable and 
that was Radical Heights, I think it was called, wasn't it? Um, and mm-hmm. just um, such a, a shame of a story. But can I can I really say it's a shame if I wasn't willing to to step up and actually uh, try either of those games myself? You know, and yeah, that's, that's the right. sad truth of it. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. It's like, you know, I, I always hate to see people not be successful in what yeah. they do, but at the same time, they just weren't really impacting or influencing my life at all. And so it wasn't really any more tragic than anybody losing their job. Uh, let's listen to Bombshell by Jack Wall from Lawbreakers. track left on Sound of Flight today. But before we listen to that, we'd like to remind everyone that our forum is over at canerminscom slash forum. You can go there and request tracks for future Sounds of Play. We will play those. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Canerins. And if you haven't, check out the Canerins podcast. We probably don't have very many people that aren't fans of that that we are sending in that direction, but eh, I don't know. It's worth a shot. <laughs> it's a It's a very good podcast. Um, mostly because I'm not on it anymore. <laughs> it's you are sorely missed, Ryan. Although we all obviously understand why that's <laughs> that's necessary in the case. I, I would love to be back on in the future if my career ends up uh, taking me out of the games industry. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's tough to talk about games when you're also making games that puts I'm also uh, actively marketing them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it puts you and and obviously your employer in a difficult position, so it's understandable. But of course, James is a common voice on Kane and Rince, and so yeah, you can uh, look out for that if you've enjoyed his uh, his time yeah, here today. Absolutely, and and I think it's it's always surprising to hear that 
people have found sound of play without knowing about Ken Rince, but that sort of thing happens. Someone flocks to show about video game music because there aren't so many of those around. Um, and I think the great thing about Ken Rince is you can pick the episodes that interest you. You know, every mm-hmm. every week's a different episode, different game covered. So, you know, if a, if a game doesn't pique your interest, it's easier just to pass that one by and pick up the next one. Thanks again for joining us today, as well as oh, all of our pleasure. community contributors. We mm. always appreciate the input from uh, multiple people with different tastes and experience in games and music. We are uh, closing out with a game that you, uh, not a game with a piece of music that you gave a bit of an intro to at the beginning of this sound of play. This is yeah. a piece which we, I guess, have to prefer, have to preface it comes from a trailer. And so it does have some sound effects and stuff in it. And yeah. it also ends rather abruptly. So there's nothing wrong with your, iPod? What are kids using these days? (laughs) Phones or or implants in their brains? Who knows? There's nothing wrong with your implants. (laughs) Um, So yeah, this is... I I really like the fact that you can hear sound effects at a couple of points. You might not notice them, actually, uh, for a reason I'll go into in a sec. And I like how abruptly it ends because it caught me off guard when it happened. But this is a piece of music that was... I don't know that this is called trailer score, but I had no hesitation putting down trailer score because this piece of music, either the trailer was was designed to fit this piece of music or the other way around. I suspect it might be the other way around because they're talking with this game, um, Marvelous. It's Marvelous first studio, but I think on the trailer it just comes up Marvelous, and so I assume first studio is just to say they're kind of first development team, if you like. Um, similar to uh, Nintendo R&D 1 or something along those lines. you know. Mm-hmm. Th- what they're saying is that this piece of music we're going to hear isn't just the style of music they want for the game. It's going to... It's part of the game. The, the The sound effects are actually going to blend into the music. It's going to be um, sympathetic in that way. Uh, one's going to respond to the other and, and hopefully vice versa if they can pull it off, which is why I'm saying I don't know whether the music was put to the gameplay footage or whether the gameplay footage was put to the music. So yeah, I've put down uh, as the artists both of the uh, credited at the end of the trailer music uh, musical composers um, who are Ryo Hamamato and Junichi Nakatsuru. Apologies if pronunciation's not great on those. I hope I got it right. Um, and I've called it trailer score because again, it doesn't have th- this piece of music only exists as part of the trailer. I was really taken by this. And the reason I put it at the end was because when I watched this trailer, I couldn't imagine it having any other soundtrack and I found my head bobbing along with the music in that (laughs) way that heavy, uh, very um, rhythmic rock and metal music can can do that to, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. to to see someone kind of uh, rocking out to a piece of music with, you know, involuntary (laughs) kind of bobbing up and down is, is absolutely that's what it is to mosh, you know? Um, and I found myself doing that and uh, immediately came onto our Slack channel and said, hey, check this trailer out for anyone who didn't catch the Nintendo E3 show. Um, this is something a bit special. And uh, Leon, it was actually, said everything about that gameplay to him looked fantastic, but the music just wasn't for him at all. And that mm-hmm. might mean in this case because as i've said the music and the game are so closely tied that's the style of music that's not just going to be for the trailer or for the the battle music that that's going to be throughout the game it might not be for everyone that might be the game mean the game's not so 
I wanted to pop it at the end here because although industrial metal is right up my alley, <laughs> no two ways about it. I am all <laughs> about this music. I I'm sitting here talking about it and I can hear the the um just the bass going through my head over and over again. I can hear it uh, as I'm as I'm speaking and thinking about this game. Um and to know that, you know, Leon had such an adverse reaction to the music, which obviously fine, not every all music's for everyone. I figure some other people are going to as well. Um it's interesting we mentioned uh or you mentioned Mick Gordon there because um this does have something of that kind of industrial, slightly electronic end of the same sort of music that he he composed for the Doom soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Just real heavy. And I could see a point where if this is a six-hour game and the music is this intense all the way through, that might be tough to take, but I'm hoping it really does uh, add to the gameplay. I should say that the game is uh, Demon X Machina. Um, It's a mech game, but I think the best way I can sum it up or what it... The way it appealed to me was to say that this is mechs meets gravity rush meets vanquish which is where i'd mentioned vanquish is going to come up again um these these are are mechs they're absolutely mechs but you are sidestepping and dodging and sliding across the ground uh in a way that very much evoked vanquish to me it looked high octane and very uh, fast um but then you pop up into the air and that stuff looked gravity rush to me where you're kind of floating around the camera and then Mm-hmm. Gravity Rush has that very there's a floaty feel but it's fast when you're in the air it feels like you're a little bit out of control all the time and something about the footage of this game made me think of of Gravity Rush uh, when the mechs are in the air flying about uh in in a good way uh, you know I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of Gravity Rush and uh yeah just I I can't wait to see more of this game it was absolutely the standout highlight of Nintendo's E3 uh direct um, it was the first one up, and I think that speaks volumes to how uh, how positive Nintendo feel about this. I mean, they're publishing the game; they obviously feel pub uh, feel mm-hmm. feel good about this. Uh, it's only coming to Nintendo Switch, as far as anyone's aware, which makes sense with Nintendo publishing. I've put in our notes the year down as 2018 because we don't have a release date for this game, but the trailer sure did come out in 2018. So I'm sure this isn't going to be for everyone. But hopefully you can tell by how enthusiastic I am about the the game and, and this track that I, I think it's something a bit special. Um, how about you, Ryan? Any thoughts on Demon X Machina? Um, I haven't really seen enough of the game to really yeah. have, make a decision one way or the other mm-hmm. uh, about the game itself. Uh, I never really grew up with the Armored Core games, which this this game has a lot of uh, carryover in personnel from. Sure does, yeah. Uh, and so it seems to be kind of like a uh, like an homage or spiritual successor to that series of games. So yeah, I don't know. This piece of music struck me as something that wouldn't be out of place in like a DMC Devil May Cry or a Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, uh, something like that. It's very aggressive very overpowering in a way that a lot of video game music tries to like draw attention away from itself and towards the game it's uh Mm. towards the gameplay and uh, i like when there's a little bit more interplay when they're both kind of fighting for your attention at once yeah yeah and hopefully in a way that like a rhythm action game would can kind of help you with the gameplay as well i think that would be really Mm -hmm. cool but yeah it's um it certainly stood out i think in the in nintendo e3 uh, direct and and 
to stand out amongst the the games that were on display there is quite something. So they definitely captured my attention, and I can't uh, can't wait to see uh, see more and hear more of it. It's great. This is the trailer score by Ryo Hamamoto and Junichi Nakatsuru from Demon X Machina. Maybe Demon Cross Machina. I know how the Japanese like to yeah, uh, I assume use that letter sometimes. Yeah, I assume they're going for something, a take on Deus Ex Machina, so I assume right. it would be X. But <laughs> yeah, that yeah, I, I've kept saying X, but actually I had the same thought because obviously Cross is uh, much more significant in, in uh, Japanese naming convention. Right, anyways, let's listen to this. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Again, this song will cut out abruptly. But that's part of the fun. So, <laughs> well, it'll just kick you into whatever podcast you have queued up next in your player. So, uh, we'll catch you next week. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Bye.